this morning, balance living for Christ. Balance living for change. This is the conclusion of a four-part series on change. Uh, I've got a real practical application that uh, I did this week. I'll get to in a minute about change, some change that I need in my life. And uh, uh, Am I surrounded by people this morning that won't change? Do you need change? Yes, you all, you all do. Uh, just turn to the person next to you and go, you need change. Just turn and tell them that. Yeah, you, you came with one friend, you're going to leave with none. Okay. In your body, you go to the doctor, and you already know you're sick, and he tells you you're sick, and he says there's a, an imbalance in your body going on. Things are out of alignment. Now, that's a little intimidating with me with nurses and the dean of nursing here and some other things. So we, I even have this one medical term I meant to ask one of y'all, so probably, I will probably forgo that term. It's like uh, people always ask theologians, like, could you explain it to me in the Greek, or could you give me that word? And a lot of times we know, and the other times we don't, we fake it. Uh, in seminary, they taught us, say it with authority and say it fast and say it quick and move on, okay? And I don't know what they do in the medical community, but I, they have all these words. I can't even spell them. I mean, yeah, have you ever tried to give your prescriptions to the pharmacist? Yeah, it's a layer like, I don't know, dude. It's about 17 syllables, so you're just give me some of that. Okay. But all through life, we, we juggle life. We, we get out of balance. We get in rhythm. We go back out of balance. In uh, balance is, is just, it manifests in different ways in different ones of us. Uh, you could be in balance and you're sleeping. You, you don't have a good sleeping habit or your patterns are broken and they're erratic and, and you, you feel like you wake up more. You know, today it's a lot of money is spent on sleep studies. People are always going, go have a sleep study. I had one of those. They're, they're a little overrated. But uh, uh, matter of fact, how many have ever had a sleep study? I'm just curious. Raise your hand. Okay, let me just tell you about it real quick. It is the most bizarre thing. You, you go in and they go, it's going to be like a hotel. It is not. My wife is not there. And it's not big screen TV and let's have a big time. And they hook you up with all these electrodes and all these things. I don't know. When you go to sleep, I don't have stuff hooked up to my body, okay? And just to go ahead and get really personal since I am, I have hair on my chest. <laughs> yeah. And you have to pull those little things off and you need to go, glory to God. That, that's what I wanted to say, but I didn't. Okay. And then they go, we're going to observe you sleeping all night. Now, I want y'all to stop and think about that for just a minute. People are watching me sleep. Yeah. And so when I went for my sleep study 10 or 12 years ago, most miserable night except for being sick on the planet. I just, and the next morning, and then they go, if you need to go to the bathroom, just let us know. No, we're not going back through this exercise point. I'll just hold it, okay, and I'll just wait. Next morning, as soon as 6 o'clock hit, this boy jumped out of bed, and I ran to the bathroom and ran home and said, that's it, not doing that again. So imbalance in sleeping, imbalance in eating. Oh, I know about that one. We'll talk about that in a minute. Imbalance in work. Some of you are workaholics. If you don't think you are, ask somebody close to you. Some of you are playaholics. You like to play. You're like, yeah, I like that. Everything, there's just a problem. But problems when your personal life is not balanced, two things happen. I want you to write it down. Two things happen when you're imbalanced. Frustration, fatigue. Frustration. You're incredibly frustrated. I know from personal experience when you're not in balance, not in sync, not in rhythm. So frustration amps up. And then fatigue comes into the body, into the soul. And it's just a tough place to be. And yet I think God would want us to move on from there today. 
you buy a car, you have a car, most of you have cars, you drive cars, and, and every once in a while you have to put tires on them, and, and that's got to be just, uh, you want to go get a bank loan for that. I mean, it's incredible. I remember when you used to pay $100, $200, $225 for a set of tires, and that was pretty cool, and now you're like, ha, 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 that, that's funny. Do you want two? You want one? Okay, oh, you can have one tire, okay. But when you get tires, there's something you have to do if you want them to last because you pay so much for them, you want to keep them balanced. And when a car gets out of balance and you're riding down the road and it's got that shimmy. Have you ever been in a car with somebody and it's doing that? And they're over there like, oh, no, it's not bad. It's just the road. <laughs> when I ride on this road, my car don't do that, okay? But you're out of balance, okay? So, and, and when you get out of balance too long, then you get a bald spot on the tire. I know a lot about baldness. You know, my, hair, my head going bald, but that's not what I'm talking about. You just, it, it, it's just rough. It's, it's erratic. But, you know, tires blow out. Listen, tires blow out when they're out of balance. Lives blow out when they're out of balance. They run into the ditch. This morning, it could be that some people are in the proverbial ditch. And I went, I didn't realize the other day, I started looking, I said, man, I've been in Luke so much, not trying to do a study on Luke, I've just been preaching, I have a lot of passages on Luke, and so I've been meditating, chewing on this scripture this week, so I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Will you turn there in your Bibles, or look there on the top of your worship guide, and there's a, there's a verse here. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in his stature and in favor with God and all the people. Luke 2.52. Real simple verse. Jesus grew. Jesus, did he need to grow? He did. He submitted himself to the Father to become completely human, to become one of us, to become a baby. A baby. And I'm not going to do the incarnation, the story of Christmas, but I want us just to remember, Jesus Christ, God, became a child. So he had to grow. And we don't have that in our Bible, all the stories about Jesus and what it was like to be Jesus growing up. Before he took on his public ministry at the age of 30, it was probably, you know, pretty normal in a lot of ways. You know, at 12, he got lost in the temple. He's over there trying to teach the, the leader something about the Father. Pretty amazing. He got in trouble for that. But there's not a lot of story about Jesus growing up in Joseph's house. Probably for a reason. But... About as much as we know is we, we read little stories like this, and it says, and Jesus grew. I'm, I'm watching my grandson now. He's gone from 5'4 to 6'2 now, is he? I mean, he's getting big. Yeah, we've never had one quite that small, and our little fella's growing. Man, loving it. His sister, she's going to turn two this week, and she's been growing. We've been watching her development. Uh, I've watched your development, your growth, your kids. I look at your kids, and many of them were born here at this church, and Yesterday, I'm at the AUM basketball game. My little friend, Cooper, I don't know where he appeared. He came around to my side of the gym, and he wanted to give me a hug. And I looked at him like, this is that little boy? What? No. We used to play with toys. In the, sorry, coach. The game was pretty good, but we used to play with toys in the game. And he's growing up. So Jesus here, he grows. And there was constant growth in Jesus. And part of his growth wasn't just physical, as great as that was. It was mental. It was intellectual. And I know people could fight me over this, but let's just listen. But Jesus grew. He studied the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. He studied the law. He was God, but he studied. He grew. He had this great capacity. 
In the New Testament times, you know, you know, people had the occupation of their fathers. Their fathers were fishermen. They would be fishermen. So Jesus grew up in this house of Joseph, and he was a carpenter. And I bet Jesus was the original rehab addict. That just came to me. I think it's kind of, well, you didn't think it was funny. I thought it was funny, okay? Because he, he ended up, he started rehabbing everybody's life. But I can imagine, can you imagine the first table that Jesus built? Do you think it was perfect? Do you think it was square? Do you think Joseph had to come over and assist him? I know you're going, now show me the verse on that one. I'm, I'm using my sanctified imagination right, right now, okay? Amen. <laughs> Amen, okay. But Jesus was God. He was human. I mean, how many of you, the first time you did something, you perfected it? I don't think so. You had to grow. So this verse talks about how Jesus grew. And Jesus came to a growing understanding of his, his messianic title and his calling by reading the scriptures. As he read the scriptures, it was unveiled to him who he was. Just a lot of things that we just kind of blow over and we think, well, you know, growth, you know, whatever. You know, Christ, he had all the answers as a baby. Well, I don't know. He was God. He was 100% God. Yes, he he was, he is, and he will forever be. But he was human. And I don't want to blow through that. I think sometimes at Christmas we blow through it. But the, the Old Testament here enabled Jesus to understand himself, to see his identity. These, these Hebrew scriptures became alive to Jesus. And by the time of 33, oh, how alive it was. And how true the prophets were. And he would be the fulfillment of the law of the prophets. But he, but he had to learn. He, he had to grow. He was seeking out. He, he had to study. He, he showed himself approved. The Bible tells us not to be ashamed to show ourselves approved, that we know the Word of God. I encourage you, just write in the margin real quick today, be a student of God's Word. Get in a Bible study. Study God's Word with other believers. It's not something that we just master. It, it takes us a long time. But there's, there's power release when we admit that we need to grow. The AA movement, I, I so admire, and I see all the help that it gives people. But there's a, an admission of powerlessness. There's an admission that I'm sick. There's an admission that I'm weak. There's an admission, an admission that I'm frail. There's an admission that I'm not going to make it. Back to my analogy. I'm out of balance. I need alignment. And so many times through that organization, but ultimately through the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, people get free. But there's, there's four areas today. I know you're going, is he going to get there? I am. Four areas to grow in. Number one, mentally. God desires for you and me to grow mentally, intellectually. Jesus grew in this way. In Romans 12, 2, the word says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will but we grow, we stimulate our mind. Jesus grew in wisdom. There was development physically in Jesus because the Bible said he grew in stature, but he also grew intellectually. He, he, grew, he grew mentally. It was awesome. He was, he is the epitome of intelligence. There's no one wiser than Jesus. But he grew and he took on this position and, and he was amazed and he was astonished, I believe, as a boy, as, as an adult, as he studied the Old Testament scriptures. And if you go back in church history and you go back to the days of the early Jews and the early the beginnings of the church, you see what students and memorize and meditate. You see, sometimes I thought, I'm so glad that I live today that I have immediately hot water. 
I have a car and not a camel. Thank God. Because I'm sure if I had a camel, it'd be a sassy camel. You know what I'm saying? And I love the day we live, but I've been pondering this. In some ways, it's tougher today. The distractions are great. Would anybody agree with me on that? Distractions are awesome. I mean, Jesus didn't go in like, Dad, it's Game Boy time. Dad, it's Xbox. Dad, Dad, big screen. Dad, come on, Dad, we need satellite TV. Hey, Dad, Dad, iPad. Oh, Dad, Dad, Dad. No, no, we, we didn't have all that. You know, all, all those little Jewish boys weren't running around doing that. I love what Howard Hendricks, the great educator from Dallas Theological Seminary, said. I, I listened to him. I've been with him live when he was living. Greatest educator not preacher, but the greatest educator, I think, on the planet. I, I wish I'd have had him in school, but he said this. If we stop reading, we stop learning. And if we stop learning, we stop preaching and witnessing. And Jesus would say, you are my disciple. And a disciple, I want you to write it down, a disciple is a learner, is a lifelong student, a lifelong learner. That's what you and I are. Every day, I want to learn. I want to grow and the only way I know how to grow is I, I read his word, I study his word, I read books, I listen, I do a, a thousand different things. And I'm, so I'm constantly, you know, trying to learn. I, I want to get an angle. I want to have understanding. I want to know how to apply it to my life to help you apply it to your life. But God, there's two factors that influence you most in life. Write it down. The books you read and the people you're around. The books you read have a profound influence on you and the people you associate with. Right now, you know, I'm just wondering, like, what are the five best books you've read this year? Well, maybe not this year. You would really be a good reader if you've already read five books this year, okay? Okay. Best five books you read in 2014. Best books you read this year. But Jesus, I, I like, so number one is Jesus calls you and I to grow mentally, to have that capacity. Secondly, he grew physically, and I've been talking about that. And over in 1 Corinthians, the word just says, don't you realize you, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. And you don't belong to yourself anymore. For God bought you with a high price. So now, you and I must honor God with our body. This body, your body, is God's. Amen? And some of you are going, what's he going to do with it? I mean, it needs help. I know I've been, I've been contemplating that a lot lately. Not your body, my body. No, no, no. I, I, I don't have time to judge your body. I have time to look at my body. And it's depressing sometimes. What it used to be, what it is today. And I'm going, man, this is God's. we got to have a rehab. Yesterday, this just came to me. It was crazy. Me and Donna are watching this crazy thing, dirty jobs or something. This guy goes in a snake pit. And the, and the guy's wife, you might have seen it, it was bizarre. The guy's wife and him, they were chiropractors. Now, why they left a good living of being a chiropractor to have a snake for him? That, that ain't right, okay? Let me just say it. And all of a sudden, the woman picks up something, and I went, oh, my goodness. She had muscles bigger than Tony. She had muscles bigger than anybody in this room. She was a former bodybuilder. I went, that, that's sick. Okay, so not my body. But Jesus here, he grows in stature. Jesus speaks of lifestyle, eating habits, nutrition, recreation. We have people that do that so well in our church. Some of us don't do it very well. Identify barriers that hold you back. Just write a little simple note today. Are there barriers that are holding you back from physical growth and development and health? Here they are. Unhealthy food, snacks, and desserts. 
Check. Anybody want to check? Anybody want to check with Pastor? Hey, wait a minute. Raise your hand. Okay, well, I had some unhealthy food, snacks, and desserts. Lack of exercise. I do like to exercise. I've not been in a good routine. I'm getting my one of my goals is getting a real more systematic, you know, deal. A bad eating habits. Plan ahead. Oh yeah, that's fun. The doctor tells you to lose weight. Your doctor ever told you to lose weight? I fired my doctor and I went to a heavy doctor. <laughs> I did that one time. What, what, wasn't that smart? Because I dared him to talk about my weight. I did. I went to a little skinny doctor. I went, nope, ain't going to him. Went to a big old beast guy. I said, you're my man. <laughs> Donna fired him. Okay, so here we go. I'm just being real. Some of you are like, oh, that's the goal. Get, uh, yeah, okay, all right. Lower your cholesterol. Frustrated how you look. But here, here's the physical thing. I'm trying to make this practical change. There's a, there's a big thing in our community. It's been going on for a few years. And, man, I've lost so much weight, gained so much weight. This makes me dizzy thinking about it. But I know I need to get physically healthier. I'm not doing good. I'm, I'm gaining weight. My metabolism is slowing down. My wife and my kids are concerned about me. I'm concerned about my health. So I'm studying all week of all this stuff, health, nutrition, and all this. Like, be a hypocrite. Just preach it. You don't live it. You know, no, no, I need it. And so I've been trying to say, God, give me a mindset, because I've done this before. By the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many believe you can do that? I said, God, I got to get a victory. I got to get some, I need health, God. I go see people all the time that have heart attacks and masses and they die and stuff. I said, God, I want to take care of your body. My wife comes in the day and she says it very sweetly. She goes, uh, hey, they're having this scale back Alabama thing. What do you think? Now, she doesn't know I've been studying this intensely all week. And it's like the voice of God said, step up. And immediately I said, I want to do it with you. She looked at me and she goes, really? I said, yeah, let's do it. So on Friday, we drove over to our local Y. They had it in the library across the street. And uh, I walked in, and it's real fun. You go in and go, hey, could you come to the back room? Get on a scale. That was fun. And I weighed in. So you can watch me to see if I'm making any progress over the next few months. Amen? Some of you are like, can I join? Yeah, just go online, man. Scale back Alabama. Hey, let's be a skinny church for Jesus. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work or not. I hope it does because I need. I'm, I'm just. I'm just being real. Is it okay if, with y'all if I'm real? Because can I just tell you, I don't cuss. You're like, well, that's good. You're the preacher. I don't drink. I don't chew. I don't run around with girls that do. But I eat. It, it, it's a pleasure. It's a comfort for me. Some of you are like, you're being entirely too transparent. Pick another church then. And God's just talking to me about it. You know what's scary about doing this message? All this is being recorded. <laughs> and I'll listen to it like, oh, what great command of the scriptures. And he connected with people. And then God will go, what you doing about it? So, in the whole thing of physical, get an accountability partner. Get somebody that will help you do it. Let's go to spiritually. So mentally, physically, spiritually. Let's go to that one. Oh, this is, this is my favorite. Rather, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3.18. Grow. Here's this thing, growth, development, progress, 
moving on with Jesus. Jesus grew in favor with God. Spiritual development. Have you ever been disappointed with God? I have. Have you ever just messed up? I have. Have you ever run from God? Or have you run to God? My prayer in this series, in today's message, is that you and I run to the Father. Because I believe you're saying, come to me. Come to me. You need rest. You need health. You need life. You need the Spirit. Come to me. Some of you are going, no, I just want to live with the guilt. Man, guilt's heavy. Guilt and shame, it'll just weigh you down. God's like, I got something better. When we grow in favor with God, we begin to underline the word. I, I know I've said it so many times. I've got lots of Bibles. I mean, that's what preachers do. We buy Bibles. We study Bibles. I wear Bibles out. get more Bibles. Can I just tell you, I say this all the time, but I'm so real about it. Wear your Bible out for Jesus. Write in it. Color it. Highlight it. Fill it in. Matter of fact, wow, I've already got out there, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do something right now. Oh, crud. I hate accountability. Okay, all right, here we go. I'm going to try to start doing something. How many of you do Instagram? How many of you do Instagram? Somebody, oh, a little bit. Yeah, that's me, a little bit. I like to watch it, but I don't like to do it. I'm going to start trying to post Instagram scriptures several times a week, okay? So if you want to follow me, follow me. I'm just going to be giving you some different words than what I'm preaching on Sunday. It's just one of those things. I just want to say, hey, man, it'll probably be PK, one PK's Bibles, some scriptures underlined. I draw a little picture. Sometimes I write words out. I just, I just want to encourage you. Is that fair enough, church? So, hey, if you, if you want to follow me in that, but here's whether you follow me or not, would you follow God? You just say, God, I want to get in your word. Let me tell you some ways to read your Bible. This is not in your notes. This is on the margin. You've got to write this in, but this could help somebody today. Put this together. Years ago, I ran across this week, and I thought, man, I need to put this. Number one, set a time. Plan your times with God. If you don't plan time with God, I promise you, it won't happen. The day I get started, the day I get crazy, the day I'll be over, you'll be exhausted, and you'll go, oh, Lord, I'm going to bed. Okay, so set a time. Number two, set a place. When you set a place, make sure it's free of distractions. Sitting down in front of ESPN men is not a great place to have a quiet time with God. I've tried. Blaring your stereo to the top. I know you'll go, but I'm listening to Christian music. That's cool, but Jesus is not deaf, okay? So maybe turn it down a little bit, okay? Just, you know, I don't know. Just uh, set a time, set a place, get alone, get serious. Third, pray before you start. Lord, I want, to be, I want to spiritually develop this year. So speak to my heart. Search my heart and see if there be any hurtful way within me. God, I want to confess my sin. And I don't know about you, but I, he gives me stuff to confess. Because, Lord, I want to have a clean heart. Because, God, I want to meet with you. And, God, I want to hear from you. So set a time, set a place, pray before you start. Four, get a reading plan. There's you version, on and on. I could give you a thousand reading plans. But get some kind of plan where you don't just start flipping through your Bible and just put your finger down. I mean... You could be reading Leviticus. I mean, good luck. You know, you know I don't know. I shouldn't pick on Leviticus. It's, it's God's word. It's just kind of gory. But, uh, but, but here's the deal. Just read God's word. And then fifth, make application. When you, when you read God's word, then say, Father, how can I apply that which is eternal to my life? I want to make application of your word. It's one of my greatest goals as a pastor is to be an application-oriented pastor. I don't want you to just have all this head knowledge and walk around knowing all this stuff. You don't do anything, or I don't do anything. I want to make application. Six, write it down. Make a list. When God shows you some stuff, write it down. Maybe make a list of what he wants you to do. And then say, Lord, help me to follow up on that. And the seventh, 
then get accountable. And, and you're like, there's that A word again. That A word gets you in trouble. But if we have accountability people in our life, we have a chance to be victorious. We have a chance to move the ball down the field. I almost used an illustration, but I'm not. Okay, here we go. I want you to write down something I learned from Becky Terabasi. Becky Terabasi is an amazing woman of God. Don and I had her come in and speak to our kids when we were doing student ministry at Fraser many years ago. And we, we became friends. I saw her a couple years ago in California, but never see her. But she had a profound impact on me as well as students. And she, she said some things that have stuck with me for a few decades plus, so it must have been pretty good. One was the power of journaling, and I started journaling because of her. I, I would play at it, but after her talk and her discipline, thousands and thousands of hours, I, I said, man, I'm going to take this on. But she, she gave this thing, and I want you to write down these letters, P-A-R-T, yeah, P-A-R-T-L-M-N-O-P, P-A-R-T. L-M-N-O-P. Give me a word, church. No, no, it's not a word. Okay. This is the way that she devised about reading the Word of God. And I've had seasons that I've used this, and as I was studying for today, I just, man, it just kept ringing in my heart. And then I went and I said, I, I bought this book about two years ago. You know, I'm friends with her. I've heard her stuff. And I just thought, man, this is good. But the dad decided, you know, I'm just going to pick this up and read it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I've been reading and reading. And like, God, this is for me. Here it is, P. The P is for praise. When you sit down with God, give him lots of praise. And the church said, praise, worship, exalt. The A is admit, Lord, I have blown it. God, I'm a sinner. God, I confess. Praise, admit. The R, the R is for your request. After you've praised, after you've confessed, then go into petition, then go into request mode. Now, God, I make my plea. I make my request, okay? Then the T. Then the T is something you're probably really good at. Thanksgiving. You're thankful for what God's doing, okay? You get real thankful, okay? And then you go into listen. The L is for listen. Lord, give me ears to hear. Let me listen to your word. And then M is for messages. God, is there any message that you have for my heart? Is there any message that you have for me to share with others to proclaim? And then the N, the N, listen, the N is for the New Testament. I'm going to read the New Testament, some of the New Testament every day. What is the O for? I'm going to read some of the Old Testament. It's a great way to do times with God. And then the P, guess what the P is for? This is so cool. This ends you up with your, your devotional time. Psalms. You just read the Psalms. You just pray. You, you rewrite them. I've rewritten the Psalms so many times over the last 20 years. I, you know, I, I just take God's Word and I, I write it back to Him. I, I put my name in there. I take off on a word. It's just it's, it's a powerful thing. But I felt like today I should share it with you. And then the fourth thing, look, look at it with me emotionally but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control there is no law against these things the the holy spirit's fruit being produced in us in keeping with repentance i want the fruit of the holy spirit do you i don't think you heard me in keeping with repentance, I want the fruit of the Holy Spirit to express through my life. Do you want that for your life? Yeah. And that comes through spiritual development, through emotional. And, and I know some of you are like, but I'm a runaway train. I'm overwhelmed. I've got all this guilt. I've got all this baggage. I feel hopeless. I've experienced rejection. 
Uh, everybody thinks I have it all together, but I don't. I've got guilt. I can't forgive myself. We could go through a thousand things. All I know is the baggage that you and I are trying to hold on to, all it does is weigh us down. And today, I'm praying during the last song of Holy Spirit that people are going to come to this altar and literally just take their hands and just put the baggage right there. And when you walk out the door today, go, bye. All right, here we go. This is the funniest thing about bye. My wife and I, Mimi and Pop, took our granddaughter to ride a carousel the other day. Great, glorious moment. I've been dreaming about this for years. I had a reminiscent moment, deja vu, of when I did it with my kids. Ramsey and I, because Donna doesn't do circles, she just gets dizzy. So she was taking pictures, and me and Ramsey get on the carousel, and I'm standing there with her. And as soon as that thing goes up, down, she said, all done. And the lady is looking at me, and she wouldn't stop the carousel. And what made it worse is I'm kind of a big boy, and the other one kept hitting me in the butt every time. And, and my granddaughter's like, I want to freak out. And I'm like, oh, man, I, you know, this is not very fun. And then, so then we get ready to leave, and we finally get off that thing. I'm like, praise God, I thought it'd never end. And, um, but I love her. I would do anything for her. And, and, and then we're walking off, and she turns around. Buy horses. She was being polite to the horses. Here's why I tell you that story. Today, if you'll come, confess your sin. Could you leave your baggage here today? And when you walk out the door, turn around and go, bye baggage. I'm not picking you up. Some of you, I know what you'll do. You'll make it to the parking lot. You go, hey, can we run through the portico? And you'll come back and you'll pick it back up. Is that a good illustration? God, help us to get emotionally healthy today in Jesus' name. So physical pain, emotional pain. How many believe physical pain is real? Yeah. How many believe emotional pain is just as real? What do you think is the hardest to cure? I think it's emotional pain. We get wounded. We're wounded warriors. I read a book in seminary called The Wounded Healer. Didn't make any sense to me at the time, but boy, am I glad I read it because I need it. So wounded, finding fault, blaming people, that just gives me emotional baggage, daily forgiving and giving. God, just right out by the side there, daily I need to forgive and daily I need to give. I need to forgive others and I need to give grace. I need to forgive others their wrongdoings against me and I need to give the love of Christ. I don't know why people do what they do. I do. They're sinners. I don't know why I do some of the things I do. I have a sinful habit sometimes, and it hurts people. I'm sorry. Like, God changed me. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Isn't that a great verse? God promises forgiveness. Matthew 18, 22. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven. He, he's just like, hey, it's unlimited. I don't know about you, but I got a, I got a counter. You don't get any more. No, that's not the Father. He's just incredible. His heart for us. But some of us are maybe emotionally immature, and we want to hold on to this stuff. We want to hold on to this baggage, and I think today's God's like, I want you to let it go, okay? I want you to have greater love for me. I want you to set aside time for me. I know this, and this whole thing about change, a person, they could have a propensity, or they were born genetically hereditary, whatever, 
and, and, and they're prone to be of heart disease, diabetes, and a lot of stuff. But a lot of times, we bring it on ourselves, and we don't become a diabetic so many times overnight. We do it through bad habits. People that smoke, you know, they destroy their body. I ran a guy the other day, he's had all this heart surgery, and he's out there puffing on a cigarette, and I'm just going, oh, man. And I didn't want to judge him. I'm just thinking, that, that ain't really helping your heart right now, okay? But then me carrying extra weight, that ain't helping my heart. So it's like, man, dude, we're broke. I mean, if I'd have gone to him, told him out, I'd have freaked him out. Like, dude, we're both wounded. You want to talk? But I, I didn't do that. I, 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 yeah, that, that would have been weird. Like, hey, your pastor just walks up to people and tells them they're weird. Okay, um, the priority. Here, I just want you to zero into this because i got to land this thing. I want you to just have the priority in your life and mine that Christ becomes greater and we become less. And we pull in, we pull a front seat to the seat of Jesus, and we go, Lord, I want to be with you. And it can make us healthier. It can make us whole this year. We get strategies for the kingdom. We know why we do things. You know, like a lot of times people are like, well, why don't you quit smoking? Why don't you, why don't you lose weight? Why don't you quit this? Why don't you do that? Well, I don't know. I mean, you, you got to know why you're doing it. Well, I'm doing it because my wife wants me to. You'll never lose weight if you want to do it for your wife. And the, and the men said, yeah, okay. You'll, you'll never do anything because your husband wants you to, women. You'll do it because there's a desire in you. God's put an innate desire in you to change. So all this change, I know it's possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have to have decisions and we recalibrate. We reevaluate. We refocus. I'm just going to invite the team to come forward because I really feel like this morning... God is calling me, and he's calling you to recalibrate our minds. He's calling us to recalibrate our souls. They're, they're out of sync. They're out of balance, and he wants to do something, and he wants to revise. He wants us to rework our, our spiritual strategies in our life, and he wants us to reassess, and he wants us to rethink, and he wants us to get a new plan, and then he wants us to refocus, and that just means he wants us to change direction. And I don't know about you today, but I want to change. Does anybody else want to change but your pastor? No, wait a minute. Do you want to change, church? Yeah. Can, can I just tell you this right now? i, I got to say this because there's a misnomer out there. Guys, we are having a world-class marriage conference. Now, I want to tell you something right now I don't think you believe. I ain't going to a marriage conference. My marriage is good. Your marriage ain't good, or maybe it is good. Don and I are not going to a marriage conference because we're in the toilet. We're going to a marriage conference because we want to grow. We want to improve our marriage. Is that a good word for you, church? So I encourage you to sign up for this marriage conference. It's, it's a strategy to help you grow. So you're like, well, I never thought about it. I thought if I went, everybody's going to go, they're broke. Well, you might be, and you might not be. You might just get healthier. I, I don't know. God, I, I just want you. Listen to two quotes. Most people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. John Backley. And E. Stanley Jones says, your capacity to say no determines your capacity to say yes to greater things. So I'm trying to figure out how to say no to some stuff. And it's hard. Because I want to say yes to the greater. Because that's kingdom. 